Wally and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Guys, I uh, flew to Atlanta this week, and while on the runway to Atlanta, um, where the the flight attendant is standing in the aisle giving the safety presentation, she's doing the miming of the uh, of the air mask dropping from from the ceiling. When all of a sudden the plane rocks heavily to the side, like tilts like 45 degrees, she's knocked to her to her knees. And I look over at the lady next to me and I said, that's alarming, right? (laughs) Captain comes on the speaker and says, yeah, we just got hit by a truck. (laughs) We had to return to the gate, waited about 90 minutes while they checked out the aircraft to make sure that, uh, you know. Oh, so they, they they left you on the same aircraft. Uh-huh. Uh, and then said, it's fine. <laughs> and I, when, they, when they returned to the gate, did they give anyone a chance to get off? Because no, no, the I, doors, doors I would have been very much done. Let me yeah. off. I am not getting going up in this thing. I was I was like, yeah, it just really bothered me that it was, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So that that's how my week started. Just just FYI. well, that's a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not like a it's not like a fender bender at a stoplight where people no. look at their fenders and they're like, eh, you know, no big deal. Yeah, no bumps, I, no damage. You're good to I, go. I did yeah. try to visualize the exchange of insurance information, though, you know, between the pilot and the truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. Well, I'm glad you. you I'm, I'm glad you're back from Atlanta safely, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the fly, flying to and from Atlanta this week, you know, I was standing in security leaving Atlanta, was at the airport at 5.30 a.m. for my very early flight. And I get yeah. the notice while I am midway through the security checkpoint, hey, your flight's been canceled. Ugh. Yeah. And while I am about to you, just, did not, you did not have good luck this week on flying. Did not have good travel. Did not have a good travel week. But as as I'm about to get really just like God, my life sucks. I hear this woman sobbing uh, at the at the entryway to the checkpoint, and she has unpacked all of her bags, all of her clothes and and accessories are just all over the floor. And she is sobbing because I can't find my wallet. I left my wallet at home. Can't someone help me? And I'm like, she's having a worse day than me. All right. (laughs) There's always the opportunity for somebody to have it worse. And uh, so I decided. Yeah. So despite the fact that I wound up being seven hours early for my flight, uh, I I, I still had it better than she did. (laughs) So. There you go. What is she hoping for? How is someone going to help her get her wallet from her house? Well, I think she was trying to convince the security guard to let her through security absent any ID. And, you know, the security guard, who I guess probably hears this every day, is just like, ma'am, can't do a thing for you without without ID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the base rule of even before 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. That, That was just kind of one of the base rules of flying. And I got to say, you know, this air travel is new for me uh, post COVID. Uh, This is just my uh, second business trip in the last two weeks uh, since COVID. And uh, I got checked out by the bomb sniffing dog at least seven times while I was in Atlanta. I mean, you know, they walk you through the the 
you know, they, they would have you walk in tandem past the dog through security checkpoint. So that was one. And then they brought the sec- the dog through security at least six times. And I mean, when he was sniffing me, he like he like banged the side of my head. I was sitting in a chair and he came up behind me and his snout just boom, punched me in the back of the head. <laughs> and I'm like I, and I turned around because I thought it was a guy I was about to give a hey, a, you know, what the hell? And you know, it turned out it was a dog. So I was cool with that. But I was like, good grief. Yeah. The dog's like. Where's my treats, Aaron? That's right. Hey, I actually I didn't you know what treats. that dog was thinking. What was, he what was thought you might be a scrawl, Aaron. Well, it's it's highly, highly probable that I am indeed a scroll. I mean, I, I think real Aaron tracks. is still in Atlanta. I think that tracks. Yeah, that uh, that that I'm a scroll. Uh, I watched the uh, Secret Invasion with uh, Mr. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson uh, last night. It was really interesting how they've uh, they've definitely made some changes to his character. Mm-hmm. He is not the same Nick Fury from before the snap. Well, I mean, he is as in he's not a scroll as far as we know. But apparently that shook him to his core and he is not as effective or confident as he was before. Or interesting. <laughs> I, I would add that, too, because I was sitting there going, I don't want to see you know, uh, lackluster fury. I want to see kick-ass fury. And, and I don't want to spend the season getting that guy back. I, I was, I was a little frustrated about that. Yeah. About I, how... So I went out and looked for, why is he not wearing the eye patch anymore? Mm-hmm. And the answer from an interview is that that Nick Fury was the competent Nick Fury. And this Nick Fury isn't. So he doesn't feel like he deserves the eye patch. <laughs> it's like that is your legitimate reason you're going with here. Yeah, I you know, and, and spoilers, by the way, there is a line that Maria Hill has uh, midway through the show. And she says, you know, Nick, you're not the same guy. And you told me that there is no shame you know, to walk off the field when you're not feeling it anymore. You know, she says something like that. And she says, and if you stay too long you're going to get somebody hurt or killed. I'm like, oh, Colby Smolders is out. You know, she, uh, you know, Maria Hill, she's going to die today. And sure enough, uh, I, I was, I, I was like, man, that ticks me off. Cause I like Maria Hill. Same I here. like Colby Smolders. And it just really annoys me uh, that they just, I feel like they really, she, she died stupid in this. Uh, it was not, a great big heroic scene. Certainly there was some action going on, but she didn't really get to do anything. And true enough, I mean, she dies because uh, Fury isn't predicting things three moves ahead like he used to. I I got really frustrated with this show. Yeah, and it's like through the entire episode, everyone just keeps telling him he's not the same Fury he was. You know, yep. being told the uh, the new old Nick Fury. Yep. Is what he's called by one of the characters. It was not what I was expecting from Fury returning at all. And I don't like this Fury. The actual story being told could be far more interesting than it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I I, I really hate these. You know, we're going to set the character back. So we have to chase the, the we're going to chase the story of how he get, gets his, his groove back. Right. And I'm just not not there for it. I just I was very disappointed. But I got to tell you what I, what surprised the hell out of me was the trailer for Craven the Hunter, because I was not expecting to be interested in this movie at all. 
And based on the trailer, suddenly interested. Definitely. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to bite someone's nose off. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I mean, they had announced that it was going to be R-rated. Um, but, you know, the Red Band trailer, definitely more effective than the uh, the regular trailer. Ooh, I don't know that I've seen the Red Band. I've only seen the regular one, I think. Yeah, the, the scene in which I'm referring to where he literally bites someone's nose off happens in the uh, the Red Band trailer. It's it's much more violent. Um, it, it's yeah. got that, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's pretty brutal violence. Like, I, I don't want to compare it to John Wick because it's not really gun violence. It's more like, uh, you know, biting your nose off violence. <laughs> bite, yeah. yeah, kick your ass and bite your face kind of violence. But it, it you know, um, now it, it it does give me those cheesy '90s Marvel vibes, like Mar- like uh, like Morbius. And I didn't get that thing. vibe at all. I it yeah, just I looked it looked really Eastern European. Um, I don't want to use the term gun fu, but you know it just it just seemed you know really martial arty and yeah. and you know a lot of you know kind of cage fighting, you know no holds barred kind of thing. And I just it looked a whole lot more fun. Uh, than I was expecting. I don't know I'll, what I'll, they're I'll really going for here. I mean, I think I got the impression that they're going to say Craven has actual powers and abilities. Yeah. Uh, but also, well, I'm watching, it seems like the only thing that they want to do from at Sony is the anti-heroes or turning well, villains the, into anti-heroes. It's really all they've got the rights to. Yeah. Right. Because they gave they gave away Spider-Man to Disney so that Disney can can make those successful movies on their behalf. Right. The all they've got left is the you know arsenal of Spider-Man bad guys. Yeah. Characters um, introduced in the Spider-Man universe. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's why you get like Craven and Morbius and and stuff like that, even if some of those characters have progressed to other, you know, um, other characters like morbius i don't really think of as a spider-man villain anymore but he was introduced in spider-man so he's part of that deal but i I think they're working on a silver sable movie too if i'm remembering correctly and and the next one is that um that web that madam web movie (laughs) like they're they're really but you know when all you have is villains right but you know that's all you can do is turn them into anti-heroes i think that you could make a really good white tiger movie you know i would love a white tiger movie yeah and i mean I mean, I think you could just kind of aim that at a demographic, uh, and I think White Tiger would be great. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if they have Cloak and Dagger rights from a movie standpoint. Yeah, because I don't know I, who has those. I remember reading that a few years ago, but I don't remember who it was. I would love to see a Cloak and Dagger movie. Heck yeah. Was Cloak but, and Dagger introduced in the Spider-Man books? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. But Craven, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I, I will say, much to your point, Aaron, I'm, I'm much more interested. Will I see it in theaters? Maybe yeah, it depends yeah. on what else is in theaters at the time. That's right. Yeah. When it's yeah. released, what's out. Yeah. How yeah. busy I am. You know, it is <laughs> crazy though. Like back in the day when a comic book movie hit theaters, you would go and you would see it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. now and though, 75% there's 75% of movies that come out are comic Yeah. Movies. Now though, Hello. look at it. And my, there are two comic movies in theaters that I want to see that I haven't seen yet. My uh, wife complains vigorously that all there is out there is genre films. You know, that it's if it, if it's not a uh, if it's not a superhero movie, it's a Star Wars movie or a Star Trek movie or a horror movie. You know, and she, she's just she's just kind of done with it. And so, I mean, you know, try, and trying to find movies that aren't genre films uh, that are in wide release is super challenging. Yeah. I mean, she's not. Wrong. And don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about that because you know, no, this yeah. is our time. That's right. But I, I don't necessarily disagree. 
Um, but the problem is, you know, when when something does come out like like Air, right, the, that yeah. that movie the, about the Michael Jordan thing, it doesn't do well. Yeah. So, well, you know, because I think have, people have decided I'm going to the movies for big screen movies. Right. Yeah. Well, and I just realized it wasn't two. There are three comic movies out right now I haven't seen yet that are in theaters. Oh, yeah. Because I haven't seen Guardians yet. I haven't seen Spider-Verse yet. And I haven't seen Flash yet. Uh, and yeah. I do want to see all three of them. I yeah. would say if I were to rank those three films for you, Wayne, I would say across the Spider-Verse number one, mm, Guardians 2, Flash 3. But yeah. but Guardians and Flash, I would say, are pretty damn close. Um, With as Flash, far as the big thing for me, it's not Flash himself. I could actually care less about the Ezra Miller Flash. I really want to see Keaton's Batman in action. And I love that design for Supergirl. Those are the things that are bringing me into Flash. Yeah, no, I get it. There's, you're right. There's, I'm, I'm looking at it, and there's only like actively in theaters. There, to your point, Aaron. There's very few genre films. There's the Jennifer Lawrence comedy that just came out, and then there's Asteroid City, and that's yeah. pretty much it that you can see yeah. at your local cinema. We've, we have been, we went and saw uh, the new Julia Louis Dreyfus movie. Uh, oh, yeah. which which is called you hurt my feelings and it's really good you know it was really good i i, I can't I, wait for the sequel you're fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, with asteroid it, city out now it's just like i need to just pick a day and just stay in the theater all day because that's <laughs> one i really want to see too and then we rented because uh, it's a red box film with uh, tina fey and and john ham uh yeah. called maggie moore's Okay. Uh, which is kind of like a Fargo kind of film, uh, which was really good. I mean, but, you know, uh, what I'm noticing is that the non-genre stuff is going you know, straight to video on demand. Yeah. You know, speaking of like, that, my wife the other day put on a movie on Netflix and she's just wanting a quirky, funny, like romantic comedy just as a, a light movie. And I look up the movie while she's watching it, and I read the ending. It's like, oh, she's not going to be happy. Huh. It it ends with like one of the main characters committing suicide, and oh. just this horrible, horrible ending. Hmm. Well, you know, speaking of what's on streaming right now, as of yesterday, you know, as of the time of this recording, Evil Dead Rise is now available on yeah. Max. Yeah. And I saw that in theaters, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But, you know, I would definitely also recommend checking Renfield out on Peacock. Cause, oh! Because Renfield is fantastic. I, I love that, Aaron. You and I both had the exact yeah, same reaction right? to that. I can't wait. That'll be one I watch this weekend, especially because my wife is a huge Nicolas Cage fan. I will say I have not had more fun in a movie theater this year than I had watching Renfield. Well, Paul, Jack Ryan starts this week jack right well it, it's it's uh do we know if they're releasing one at a time or i don't know i don't know if they're previously I don't, it's been the whole seasons i i i assume it's going to be the same yeah. but i am I, super excited i think it drops the 29th no i did see because we did not watch jack ryan season three when it came out so mm-hmm. we saw it we, we actually just watched it this month sorry you know, in preparation <laughs> it's um, not good it was i will say it started strong yeah it ended very lackluster, you know, like it ended, you know, it started off with action and he's running through the streets and there's gunfights and, and car chases and stuff like that. And then it ends just basically with a conversation. And I'm like, well, well no. 
the problem <laughs> I felt like with the last season of Jack Ryan, uh, in contrast to the prior seasons, is that in the prior seasons I cared about the villains. You know, yeah. the bad guys were actually were, were people with a point of view. And I understood them and there was a certain amount of, you know, that you liked them. You know, there was a certain amount of charisma and mm-hmm. that did not happen in this season. I, I did not connect with the bad guys. Yeah, I would agree with that. And now I will say these next few weeks will give me um, some of the most anticipated movies I have of the summer in, in theaters. Um, you know, this week we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, is that this week? I was that wondering about this hit. week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, next week we, you know, not much next week, but the following week we get the the Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Um, you know, which is followed pretty closely by, uh, actually, I think in between there's a new Insidious movie, then Oppenheimer. Um, I believe that's Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, not Oppenheimer. Not Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, and then in August we get the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the the Voyage of the Demeter. 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 You know, and, I've uh, heard people Blue talking Beetle. about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I haven't seen anything about it yet. It looks it looks like fun. Um, it's very much in the animation style of um, like Spider-Man, Spider-Verse movies. But I would say the, the film I'm most looking forward to this summer is probably Mission Impossible. I just adore those movies. What I don't understand about the Mission Impossible uh, movie that's coming out is mm-hmm. that it's the first of two parts. Yep. And what I find amusing about that is that I find each of the mission impossible films indistinguishable from the next, (laughs) you know, it's all, it's all Tom Cruise doing crazy stunts. The team gets betrayed. He has to earn, he has to earn, you know, solve the problem and, you know, earn their trust back. You know, it's, it's this literally the same story every time, just different set pieces. Mm -hmm. And so it cracks me up that this is a two part film. Because I guarantee you, by the time I get around to seeing the second film, I'm going to go, now, what happened in the previous film? Didn't they get betrayed? (laughs) And, and you know, Tom Cruise had to do something crazy. And, you know, he lost a girl. (laughs) You know, I got to say, I am not a fan of this current trend of, like, this is Mission Impossible, I don't know, 7, Part 1. Or Uh there's Fast X, Part 1. Or, Uh you know, Spider-Verse. You know, across the Spider-Verse part one, I really don't like I, I used to not mind it. You know, Back to the Future two and three, Lord of the Rings, those did it well because they were filmed at the same time. Right. The problem with these films is that they're two part movies, but they're not filmed at the same time. Yeah. So like they're yeah. actively filming Mission Impossible, but it'll be delayed because of the writer strike. Um, I'm hearing across the Spider-Verse part two or whatever, into the Spider-Verse, whatever the second one is called. Um is going to be delayed at least a year from its yeah. original anticipated um, target date. And animators Fast X, part two hasn't even started filming. <laughs> I say animators have said that there's no way it's going to reach the March 2024 yeah. release date. So, like, this I don't feel like you should have a part one and part two. Literally just release a movie and then release its sequel when it's ready. Like, I don't like this part one, part two, unless you're actually filming them together. Right. And I don't like going to a theater and getting cliffhangered. Like, like you said, Paul, I did I didn't mind it with Back to the Future because it felt like I got a whole movie and the next movie was going to be something drastically different. Yeah. Even though it is a cliffhanger, it was two thematically different movies versus these that are just the same movie split up into two. Because when I go back and rewatch, am I ever going to want to rewatch just one part? I I would say no. You know, I think about films like Endgame, like Endgame and Infinity War. 
those films were filmed together. So, you know, they were released, I don't know, nine to 12 months apart. And that's the way to do it. But I feel like people have gotten on this kick lately of part one and part two. And, you know, unless you're again, unless you're filming them together, like Stranger Things, um, you know, with the TV series part one and two, you know, the stuff like that. It just doesn't work for me. It's frustrating. Yeah. I don't mind a cliffhanger, but I do mind a cliffhanger that, you know, not knowing when I'm actually going to get that. Sequel. Yeah. You know, if it's two, three years out, like, OK, that's yeah. annoying. I, I feel but you. Anyway, I feel you. Feel me. I do. I feel me. But anyway, let's talk about comics. Let's talk about comics. Let's talk about things that that make me happy. Um, (laughs) You know, know. we'll see. I feel like the last couple of weeks of books have been largely disappointing. Um, I would agree with that. And this week, I feel like I enjoyed most everything I read, Uh, especially the comic we're we're about to talk about, Ultimate Invasion number one, the return to the Ultimate Universe. Uh, I, uh, I... very much enjoyed this book. I like the tone that Hickman sets. I, you know, I'm not a wild fan of Brian Hitch, but I enjoyed the artwork here. And I think maybe because, you know, he was the original artist on the original Ultimates. And so it really sets that tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this book goes a long way to setting the table for a really rich, fun return to the Ultimate Universe. I yeah. liked this book a lot. It was not what I was expecting either, because I thought when they launched the new Ultimate Universe, and they may still do it this way, that it was going to be a new updated universe and not trying to recreate the old. And I get the impression Reed is not trying to, well, the maker, is not trying to just remake the old. He's trying to remake the new in his image. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, I I like the way this book started. I mean, it starts with a heist. Yeah, like a it, fun heist. And, and yeah. Brian Hitch excels in that. I will say I liked his art a little less mm-hmm. on like the two page superhero spreads mm-hmm. because everyone feels a little stretched out. And I'm like, only Reed Richards should be that long. you know some of these other characters like black panther should not be as long as reed richards but you know other than that i i did not mind the brian hitch art like you said it fits with the tone because it's the ultimate universe Mm -hmm. but it i i felt the the opening scene of the book was was super strong that high scene for sure well and that quiet moment several pages of the maker talking to miles morales yeah and i i just I, that interaction where, you know, the maker is like, hey, I'm going to go, uh, you know, remake the our, our home universe. You want to come with? And Ma's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yes, yeah, the regular Marvel universe is a better universe for him. Yeah. He got both parents back and yeah. he got, you know, a life that was better than the one he had over in the Ultimate Universe. I don't blame him for saying, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I, I just very much enjoyed this book. I mean, it was... It reminded me of some of the best books I read when I was a kid. There's a lot going on. It's crazy, but yet there's a story running yeah. through it. And there are and it's a character-driven story. I mean, you understand what the maker is about here. And you know, just to, to remind folks, the maker is Evil Rich, uh, Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe. And you know, he's the guy who wears the funky-sized helmet on his head. Uh, just like Cap, just like Professor X. In exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that was the weirdest thing for me seeing both of them on the page together with their funky helmets. Yeah. 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 But, you know, the book ends with, you know, suddenly we're in a universe, which is the 6160 universe. 
and uh, we see a young Peter Parker walking with Liz Talbot. Uh, Liz Talbot is that her name? Helen. Liz, Liz Allen. Allen. Thank Liz you. Allen. And uh, you know, going to uh, you know the 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 uh, science demonstration where the spider is irradiated, but before the spider can bite him, uh, I, the evil Reed Richards absent his helmet kills the spider <laughs> and yep. prevents it from biting Peter. And so, you know, kind of, you know, derailing a critical hero for that universe. I, uh, I, I, I love where this is going. I, I, I finished this book and just felt so jazzed about it. Yeah. Well, and I love the conversation that he had with miles where he specifically says, uh, did you know that we're the only two survivors? And miles' yeah. answer was, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that Miles had yeah. all of his memories of both universes. Yeah. But the maker didn't because when the universe got remade, he gave him a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I, I, I I'm I'm all in on uh, Ultimate Invasion. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm yeah, I me too. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing where the story goes and looking forward to to understanding what it's actually gonna relaunch. That's right. That's right. Well, and why is it called an invasion? Exactly. What you are know, they invading? Get, yeah, are they are they gonna you know bring that shit back over here? What the hell? So and we know uh, that you know on this podcast we used to love us some Jonathan Hickman, uh-huh. um, and I feel like you know he's been uh, he's been a little up and down for me over these last few years, but you know now but this this is a return to strong Jonathan Hickman for me. Well, and he wrote some good Ultimates books, so he did. Yeah, I, you know I I, uh, I I really like John Jonathan Hickman's work overall. I am. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Less excited to see where the uh, story in Incredible Hulk goes, because guys hated this book. It was it was definitely not what I would expect from an Incredible Hulk book. Uh-huh. I was really curious about your opinion, Paul, you being our big horror fan. And don't get me wrong, the, I like horror, but that's not what I read Hulk for. And this, right. this very exactly much felt like my you know, if I was reading Werewolf by Night, this would have a perfect feel for a Werewolf by Night book. It you know, feels like every new writer now wants to reinvent the Hulk mythos well, and, and turn they it want, into something different. And not just reinvent the Hulk, but also Banner. And that's what drives me crazy is that there's no consistency in the way we depict Bruce Banner. You know, there is consistency in the way we draw Clark Kent. There is consistent consistency in the way we draw Bruce Wayne. There is consistency in the way we draw Steve Rogers and Peter Parker, etc. yada, yada, yada. But Bruce, you can't pick Bruce Banner out in a crowd because he I mean, he looked like a freak in this book. You know, yeah. I mean, he just he, you know, he's a long hair. looks I mean. Uh, not there's nothing about him that is conventionally uh, heroic or attractive. And I get, you know, Banner is typically drawn as, you know, someone who is weak. Um, but I think my favorite depictions of Banner have a- either been while the Bashemas uh, were drawing him or uh, when John Byrne was drawing him. And, you know, John yeah. Byrne drew him very much as, you know, uh poindexter sort of scientist right i hate that you can't you you i mean like even just recently in the uh uh gosh i forget the artist who was drawn the the last run of the hulk he drew for kirkman over on invincible what's his name yeah otley Uh, you know even otley did not draw a typical traditional bruce banner because everybody's got a different interpretation of banner and it drives me crazy 
you know, I, I that was the first thing that that scratched me wrong. And I did not mind the story happening around them. What I minded was the way, you know, Banner was being depicted. And I really hated the way the Hulk was manipulating it. You know, I, I hated the uh, the art of Banner turning into Hulk. Yes. Yeah. We well, have seen so many pops. different ways, but <laughs> they were trying to make it like he was turning like these monsters are turning. And it seems like they're insinuating that he is like like those monsters. And I thought the the linking of the various monsters in the Marvel Universe was interesting, but it did not like. You know, everything, the, the character stuff that was going on with Hulk and Banner. And I mean, a hard out. I am yeah. not. Well, and are we back to murderous Hulk? Uh, you yeah, know, that was an, like that. The dog survived, but there's a dead dog next to him with. <laughs> so or right. a dead deer, maybe. Right. I don't know. The art doesn't really. It, I can't tell it, if it's a dog or a deer. I thought it was a dog, but yeah. Yeah, I, I thought at first it was a dog. Then I thought it was a deer as I zoomed in. And I'm not sure. Yeah, but then there's, of course, there's the the fact that the the diner he was just in is destroyed, and you only see the dog. Yeah. So I'm like, well, are we back to it, the first Hulk again from the it, Bruce it, Jones arc? Well, and this seems to me because they deal with this kind of story in the the recent run uh, that Otley drew. What I and so I'm like, is this because it's so close to you know Bruce Banner ran into the multiverse. Because he thought the Hulk had killed a whole town. So that gets resolved. Turns out the Hulk didn't kill a whole town. Well, now we're doing this thing again. And I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. Are we flashing back or are we telling that story? So is this run of the Hulk happening before the prior run of the Hulk? Or are we just telling two very similar stories? And if that's the case, what the fuck? It's I mean, clearly I, two very similar stories because yeah. Banner talks about how right. he had taken Hulk and taken, you know, imprisoned him and was using him. I just, I really hate, <laughs> I really hated this book. Well, and one of the things I also dislike is when they're calling all the monsters and talking about allegiances, Ghost Rider is one of those monsters. Uh-huh. That doesn't fit for me with the other monsters they're showing. Yeah. Well, it's, and, it's an unusual way to tie it all together, honestly. And I, I you know, this is a, a something I wonder. I'm never going to find out because I'm not reading any more of this series. But you know, they they showed Swamp Thing, they showed Ghost Rider. I forget who the third one was, but the Morlocks. Thank you. The Morlocks. Or the Mole Men. The, the, the yeah. I, the ones the, that work for Mole Man. Right. Uh, the Moloids, I think, is what they're called. Um, so I wonder if that's just a preview of the monsters that are coming in this story. Uh, because if you're if you are pinging all the monsters in the Marvel Universe, I'm like, well, where's Fin Fang Foom? You know, where where are all these other Kirby esque monsters from Monster Island and all of that? You know, what, why why aren't we showing them? What about Dracula? You know, if you're going to show Ghost Rider, if Ghost Rider's in that club, where, what about him and Werewolf by Night? What about those guys? Morbius. Yeah. Not that I want Morbius to cross over into this, but still. Yeah, and if they're tying this some way into Marvel, well, and Jay Jonah Jameson, what about him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they want to tie it into this greater Marvel monster universe and and tie it into Ghost Rider and all those, I mean, I, I love those other characters and I love Hulk. It's just I don't know, it's not vibing for me. Yeah, I that's not it, where Hulk lives. Right. Yeah, Hulk is too 
big, powerful in public to live in those yeah. places. Every time they try to make him be this thing in the shadows, it, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I hard out on this book, guys. Yeah, I agree. It's just a shame because I feel like, you know, I give every I give every new Hulk volume a shot. Right. Same. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I I find like I make it one or two issues in on all of them and I hop out because I hopped out on that Donny Cates, uh, Ryan Otley one, too. Yeah. I like I thought that once I wrapped my head around the concept, I really kind of liked that story. Uh, and th- there is certainly a planet Hulk element present uh, at the end of the book. But I, I uh, I'm I am much more of a planet Hulk guy. I'm much more of, you know, Hulk angry <laughs> uh, guy. I, the I, I am not a big fan of evil, intelligent Hulk. And that is the Hulk they're giving us in this book. Yeah. Yeah. A very vengeful, you know, I'm going to set banner straight, you know, kind of kind of character. I'm just not not there for it. Yeah. I, I got a big question for you guys, though. The the great big number issue 800 Wonder Woman book came out. Paul, I know you read it. Yeah. Uh, I am dying to hear what you thought about this book. <laughs> Full disclosure, Aaron. Uh huh. I skipped right over that first story. <laughs> I um, you know you I went straight you know, to the Trinity, like, didn't you? I went straight to the Trinity because that's what I bought the book for. I bought right. the book for the Trinity, and even though the first, don't get me wrong, the first one, the first um storyline, so it, it's two stories. It's basically one story and a backup that's a preview of Tom King's upcoming run on the book. So that's basically what this book is. And the first arc um features, I guess, all the various Wonder Women. <laughs> Uh, throughout time with, you know, a slew of fantastic artists. Um, and so I, I just honestly, I just with the number of books that we were talking about this week, I just kind of was like, OK, I'm going to skip to the second bit because that's the one that intrigues me more. But uh, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were on that first bit on the 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 first, you know, artist jam sort of sort yeah. of story. I also noticed it said what happened to the Warrior of Truth part two at the end of it. Yeah, I have no idea. About I missed part one, one I guess. Yeah. Um, there are some pages of artwork that I deeply loved in the uh, that sort of jam piece. A lot, some of the art I really did not care for at all. Um, but that happens a lot in these sort of you know big yeah. milestone issues where they've got a number of different artists coming in. Like there's a whole bit on Batman. Uh, the art there is just atrocious. I thought. Uh, but I did like the Batman story. Um, I liked her, the, the parts with her and Superman. Uh, I really enjoyed the parts with her and Donna Troy. I'd say overall that first part of the story I enjoyed. Uh, but there is uh, a, several pages, like maybe three pages by Todd Nock that are just balls out fun. And I'm like, God, I, now all of a sudden I need a Todd Nock drawn Wonder Woman book. Because it was great. Uh, that was Cassie. I, yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. I just of all of the stories, all of the the art on, on the stories, that one was just so unique and fun and really kind of a '90s style that I really responded to. I mean, there there is something about uh, Todd Knox's style here that reminds me a lot of. Uh, Savage Dragon guy, uh, Eric Larson. Yes, Eric Larson. Yeah. I, um, I mean, just I was like, man, I didn't know I needed this, but I need this. 
Uh, and you know, seeing her, seeing Diana and Cassie just want the hell out of dark side was great. Uh, and you know, none of these, none of these stories, because they're all happening in her head, none of them are, are meaningful. It's just an exercise, uh, and you know, an homage to the way, um, Wonder Woman stories have been told in the past. I, I felt like there were a lot of artists missing here. Um, yeah, I wish I that they had found a way to pull in a page or two from the George Perez run. Um, I feel like there was there was also an opportunity. You know, I know John Byrne's a crazy man and we don't give him much work these days. I would have loved to have seen a page from John Byrne uh, or a cover. You know, uh, that seems like something that we're missing here is a is a wide array of, uh, you know, variants. Um, but I overall, I like that first story. I was surprised uh, that I enjoyed the Trinity story. I, I, I thought that the Trinity story was really interesting. You know, Trinity, yeah, being I liked it. Wonder Woman's daughter. Uh, you know, we get the the mature adult versions of. Uh, John Kent and Damian Wayne, you know, both having fully assumed the Superman and Batman roles respe- respectively. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed Trinity. Uh, I, I I thought it was a fun book. I thought it was a fun story. And I'm, I'm eager to see where this goes. Yeah, I liked the Trinity. Well, the, the one part of the book that I read, the, right. the Trinity, you know, written by Tom King. You know, this is a preview of what he has coming for the book. It's written by him with art by Daniel Semperi. Mm-hmm. who was the artist on Dark Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so strong art. I like seeing, you know, so you know, I kind of get the impression this is going to do the Tom King. His arc on Wonder Woman is going to do that whole thing where he has some set in present day and yeah. some set in the future. But I like I like the idea of seeing Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent grown up as Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, um, Trinity is her name. She doesn't go by Wonder Woman, but her real name is Elizabeth Marston Prince. Right. Um, we don't know who her father is, but I, I enjoyed this. I, I yeah. you know, I really did enjoy this. Now, much like most Tom King things, I am sure it will be inconsistent as hell. Oh, yeah. But I am on for the first issue. Same. I, and, you know, I just I just got to say, uh, I thought it I, I thought it was well done. Um, you know, I normally, you know, you get these little teasers and you're like, oh, for crying out loud, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I thought the teaser was was done nicely. It it definitely leaves me you know wanting more out of it. I will tell you some of what it wants me wanting more of is that version of John Kent and Damian Wayne. Yeah. Um, you know. Which so I, you know maybe it'll open up a you know a line. Uh, yeah. You know, DC, if you're listening, which you're not, but you know if you were to listen, I would recommend if if this takes off, you know, if the Wonder Woman book does well, I would absolutely with the right creative teams pick up a, a series of both of these guys, you know, either, either individually or together mm-hmm. with these characters set I'd in like, that future time frame. Yeah, that way, because we'll never get there in, yeah. in actuality. Well, I that would be the version of world's finest. I'd be interested in seeing, right. Yeah. You know, I give me that, give me that, those future characters in world's finest. Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, wonder woman's name pulls in uh, one of the names of her creator, William Moulton Marston. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was an interesting nod. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see where this goes. I'm Me eager too. to see where it goes. And I liked how she was drawn and I, I liked her character. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say here, I don't think she has a father. I think that she was made from clay. There is a reference uh, in the earlier story that you didn't read, Paul, where <laughs> um, 
uh, Hippolyta tells Diana, you know, go shape your go shape your fate out of clay, go shape your future out of clay. And I felt like that was a direct reference to uh, her daughter. You could be right, Aaron. You could so, be right. I think I think she is. And I think that solves the problem because I think nobody would be happy to see who the actual father would be. I mean, I think that's that's sort of the weird thing about Wonder Maybe Woman. Damian Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Damien knocks boots with Diana. That that seems likely. That seems <laughs> totally likely. <laughs> that, that is wrong on so many levels. <laughs> She's immortal. It's wrong for her to sleep with anyone in the DC universe. Right. Right. Fair. <laughs> so I think we had mixed feelings about Titans number one. Uh, I know I did. I, yeah. I you know, that, that there was I, enough I there for me to say, yeah, I think I, I didn't care for it, but it's Titans and Tom, Tom Taylor. So I'm like, I'm going to give it another shot. Yeah. Uh, they so hooked Titan, me on the cliffhanger to see what was happening next. Yeah. So Titans number two came out. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I, I felt it was a much, much stronger issue. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I will say I got a, I, I hate that. I hate that heroes in crisis is a thing that exists. <laughs> I got some heroes in crisis vibes with this yeah. dead Wally West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has gone back in time to solve his own murder. I'm like, where have I read this before? Yeah. Um, now, that being said, I, I the characters felt much more in line with the characters that I want to see, um, you know, you know, represented in this book. Um, I don't feel like we got much of, of that in the first issue. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the interaction. Um, especially between Wally West and Nightwing. I enjoyed seeing Nightwing making intelligent decisions mm-hmm. um, you know, because they're called away to a mission in Borneo. And uh, Nightwing's like, you're staying here, Wally West. If you look at the dead body, you know, he has trace remnants of this and this, which you could possibly get while you're in Borneo. And if we can change the future, let's start now. Um, I like that about the book. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there's a lot to like here. The ending I'm a little iffy on, the the brother blood or I guess now he's brother infinity or some brother eternity, uh-huh. um, you know, and, and the twist there. But 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 I enjoyed the second issue and I, I will continue on for the third. See, I love that the twist of the brotherhood. Like they, I liked how in the beginning we got to see the flashbacks of the Justice League taking down brother blood and uh, stealing their arch villain. Yeah, that was fun. I got, like, how, I got a they huge just, kick they just out steal of our, our main villain. <laughs> Well, and I like that this is a a new and different version of the group. You know they're going to be evil. You know they're going to be horrible. But their leader is charismatic enough to come out and say, you know, yeah, they were right to fight us. We were horrible. But now we're not. Give us your money. It just, it rung like something you would actually see on TV these days. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what did you, what about you, Aaron? What did you think of this book? I, I like this book a lot. I I am much more comfortable with where the story is going in issue two than I was in issue one. Very, I was very unhappy with issue one, and I I thought this book told an interesting story. I felt more comfortable with the characters. Uh, like the depiction of Gar in this book makes sense to me. I was yeah. having difficulty with it in the prior issue. Uh, the relationship between Diana and Coriander. Uh, I, I, you know, very much appreciated that the dynamic between them because, you know, Nightwing puts Diane, not Diane, Donna in charge uh, of the, the mission in Brazil. And, you know, uh, Donna is concerned that that's going to upset Corey and Corey is like, no, if you're leading, I'm following. Um, and, and I, I, I just, I love that, you know, I, 
if you're going to have turned a Titan and you know bring them into the Church of Brother Blood, I'm glad that it's Aqualad because kind of hate that guy. Uh, so you know that, that I, I don't hate that at all. <laughs> Screw you, Aqualad. You suck. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just reveals to me what I already knew about Aqualad. You know, he's a garbage human or a garbage <laughs> Atlantean, I should say. Garbage Atlantean. Yeah. Yeah, I have no attachment to him. I think he's more interesting joining the bad guys than yeah. he would have been on the book as a Titan. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, I'm I'm I am uh, cautiously optimistic now about. Uh, the uh, Titan series. Cause I, I did rather enjoy this book. Um, I gotta say, and I'll just talk about this briefly, you know, while Nightwing number one Oh five was a fine book. Uh, I always enjoy seeing, you know, Dick and Barbara and Bitewing, you know, in their antics and misadventures. Uh, that was fun. Uh, this issue was, was completely a gimmick there. We really didn't, you know, uh, move the story forward i felt like it was just hey let's look at look at the day through the eyes of nightwing and so it's all pov and uh okay yeah you did that i don't know why we needed to spend a whole issue doing it yeah it it was a repeat of them trying gimmicks where they had the one where it was the single panel all the way through Mm -hmm. and they don't need to do the gimmicks it's not a draw for me the only part of it like the first couple pages I thought were cool. The him waking up next to Barbara, getting licked by Bitewing. But after that, I'm done with the gimmick part of it. Just tell me a good story. I don't need these gimmicks. And like you were saying, this felt like a filler issue. Even though he's meeting the his big villain like in person probably for the first time, mm-hmm. it still just felt like filler to me. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't mind this being filler just because the last, I don't know, six issues or so have been tied up in in setting up that Titans book and the whole, um, you know, save the kid's soul right. storyline. Which so, is really kind of a garbage storyline. Yeah, that, yeah, which yeah. none of us really enjoyed. Yeah. In fact, I, I think we enjoyed the backup feature more. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't mind this being a filler issue to, like, get us back to status quo, because that's what I've been waiting for. Let's get back to the status quo of this book. The gimmick was I feel less successful than, than some of the other gimmicks. Cause I don't mind a, a fun gimmicky book and Nightwing is definitely, you know, has tried a few of them. This one was probably not one of their most successful ones. Um, but you know, the issue itself was fine. Like you said, it, for me, it was, it was the gimmick is there. I think it was a filler issue and they put the, together the gimmick to make it something more than that. Um, but it just, it wasn't as successful as some of the other ones. Not a bad book though. Hey, you know, even on a bad day, Nightwing is good. That's right. Well, I mean, it's beautifully drawn. Yeah. You know, you can't you you cannot fault the artwork in this book. It's just, you know, I, I didn't need it. I didn't need the gimmick. Yeah. So. Okay. But you know what I needed, Paul? I Some needed shipping of Lex Luthor. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, this was the best issue of this book so far. Well, and I got to say. Uh, there are two things I want to say about this book. One, yeah, you know, you you, you shiv Lex Luthor. I'm kind of there for it. Um, but I have never liked Silver Banshee ever. And I love her in this book. Uh, I love her as Jimmy Olsen's girlfriend. Jimmy Olsen with a jetpack. Yeah. And, and that was hella fun. I really enjoyed Everything about this book. This was a yeah. really nice Superman book. And I loved that Superman, uh, that uh, 
Lois and Clark go out on the double date with Jimmy and his girlfriend. Um, and that while they're having a great big time, uh, Lex Luthor is maybe being murdered in prison. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, I, and I count he has stabbed at least three times, maybe four. Uh, you know, and it's it yeah, is stabbed in the front pan- and the back. And it is share paneled, you know, Lois and Clark are having a nice time out laughing and dancing and kidding around with their friends. Meanwhile, on the on the the the, the joint panel, Lex is getting stabbed. Yeah, and next Superman pan- has lost his super hearing temporarily right. as a result of the, the fight with Silver Banshee. So he's he's enjoying the evening. He's like, I, I don't hear the entire world. I can be here. I can be present. Meanwhile, Lex is having a heart to heart with him that he can't hear. Yeah, and that yeah. ends with Superman save me. Yeah, yeah. and of yeah, course, so, you know, Superman can't hear him. So, I mean, it's just a great, great issue. I, I very much enjoyed this. Yeah, unlike you, Aaron, I've always loved Silver Banshee. She is one of my favorite Superman villains, and I love it best when she's portrayed not as a villain. Mm-hmm. Like, as somebody who is cursed and dealing with this other side of herself. Right. I love this portrayal of her i love that she doesn't want to be used like this and she's Mm -hmm. trying to fight back and trying to push jimmy away to save him i love that moment of superman goes to to try to uh save her and jimmy's like would you stay behind if it's somebody you loved and the whole Jimmy with a jetpack, just a call yeah. back to those old stories. Yeah. The mentioning well, of being a turtle. Yeah. The the coal coming clean. Like, yeah, I probably need to tell you, sometimes I turn into a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think Jimmy remind Jimmy doesn't know that Clark Kent is Superman anymore. Now. Yeah. No. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. And I, you know, it dovetails nicely into this week's uh, or the most recent episode of Superman and Lois. Spoilers, Wayne. Uh, Lex Luthor gets out of prison after having been in for 17 years. I and, saw some of the like I watched some of the clips of uh-huh. this Lex and the anger from this Lex and how he's honestly he reminds me of Kingpin. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he, you know, contrary to popular belief. Doing hard time does not really, you know, uh, uh, soften a person and, and make them warm and fuzzy. <laughs> and uh, Lex comes out of prison being just a horribly, horribly angry man and, uh, you know, really just kind of setting his sights on Lois Lane, who uh, wrongfully uh, accused him of uh, of having murdered, you know, Boss Moxie. And, you know, he was he was, you know, uh, convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Um, yeah. And I love Lois in that scene that I uh-huh. saw in like the YouTube clips where she's basically she's like, I am sorry. I got this wrong. I, you, I got this wrong. But yeah. you are still a horrible person. Yeah. I love this version of Lex. Uh, it is a version of Lex I don't think we've ever seen before where he is more kingpin of crime than, you know, uh you know, evil scientist slash, you know, billionaire tech lord. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. However, we did get news last week that while Superman and Lois got picked up for a fourth season, all of the supporting cast got cut. Every last one of them. Yeah. No more Lana, 
no more uh, Lana's ex-husband, no more Chrissy, no more uh, uh, Jordan's girlfriend. No, I mean, all you're getting, no more Sam Lane. Uh, All those characters are gone. No more John Henry Irons and his daughter. All of those characters are gone next season. Well, so they've been cut as recurring cast. They may be guest stars, right? But they've been cut as, uh, you know, as regular cast. Yeah. The regular cast is back to the core four. Well, and I mean, I'm just, I'm really, there's one more episode I think left this season. And I'm wondering if they knew that in advance where something's going to happen. But I just, I'm blown away because the supporting cast on the show is so important. Uh, I, I, I enjoy all of those characters. Yeah. And they so I'm, I'm stunned. stay in Smallville and cut all that cast. I the agree. only way it can work is if they move them to Metropolis. Yep. And even then they're going to lose the feel of the show. Yep. It's not yeah. going to be the same show for season four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was very disappointed to hear that, but I got to tell you this, this season has been so good. And I, I love the pacing of the season that they had, you know, their big, bad quote, big, bad, uh, was, uh, uh, shoot, drawn a blank on his name, Bruno Mannheim. Uh, and they resolve that and you've still got two episodes left. And it, this apparently seems to be queuing up the next season. Uh, I just, I really dig it. You know, it's like you, you thought that you thought, you know, the table was cleared and then, Oh crap. <laughs> and here comes the, this monster of Lex Luthor stomping out of prison. I was, it's uh, it was really good. It was really good. I, I can't brag on it enough, but Hey, Yes. We want to know what you thought about this week's books. But before we talk about this week, uh, before you tell us about this week's books, Paul's going to tell us about next week's books. <laughs> See how I saved that, Paul? I Look forgot. That. I was like, yeah. oh, wait, 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 hold on. We're not doing, we're not doing the thing. Um, all right. So next week in your local comic shop or digitally uh, from DC Comics, we have the newest issues of Action Comics and Green Arrow. We also have the second issue of Batman, the Brave and the Bold, you know, continuing that Tom King, Mitch Jared's um, Joker story. We also have um, a Batman Black and White Tale from Joel Jones, uh, the second part of Order of the Black Lamp from Christopher Cantwell and Javier Rodriguez with Superman and his decoder ring. So I'll be picking up Batman, Brave and the Bold issue, too. What about you guys? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't think yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, I think I'm out. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'm in for it. I'll let you know how it is. All right. Um, From Marvel Comics, we get the final issue of the current run of Thor. Um, That's, you know, they're relaunching with a new number one uh, in a few months. (laughs) Uh, I I think we all dropped Thor a while back. Did I? I I don't think uh, I did. I think I'm still still reading Thor. I think I'm still reading Thor. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember, Paul, Aaron came back to Thor after we dropped it. Mm-hmm. When we left after the big crossover with Hulk, he stayed on it. Yeah, I did. I did. I yeah. stayed on it. I left during the crossover with Hulk. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, In the, fact, the, the, the crossover with Hulk is what got me into Hulk. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, now the, the next arc, um, their next you know, volume is called The Immortal Thor and will be written by Al Ewing um, and comes out, I believe, August time frame, something like that. Anyway, um, also from Marvel Comics, we get new issues of Alien and Predator and Warlock Rebirth, the third issue from Ron Mars and Ron Lim. Um, and there's a book that I'm I'm interested in. I, I did not pick it up when it was being published, and frankly, I'm glad I waited. It's called Spider-Man The Lost Hunt. And I don't know if you guys uh, heard about this book when it came out. It was a five-issue series. The the um, collected edition will only be $8.99, so I'll save like... 30 something dollars having waited 
Um, but it's written by J.M. DeMatteis and is about Spider-Man and Craven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, J.M. DeMatteis wrote one of my favorite Spider-Man stories of all time. You know, the the the, the last hunt, right, with Craven. Right. It's a great um, book. So th- this is The Lost Hunt. And uh, like I said, it's only eight ninety nine for, um, and it's collecting the five issue trade paperback. So I, I'm going to pick that up because I, 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 cur- I, I was very curious about that story. And like I said, I I freaking love that that last time. Well, and I'm a big fan of Demetrius, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll pick that up. Sounds good. All right, All right. now Aaron. Oh wait, we, we don't have a hotline for you to. to we don't, but. What they can do is they can send us an email, Paul. They can send us some of that old-fashioned email at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and uh, if we read your email on the air, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You know what you can also do? If you, if, if, if email is just a bit too old school for you, you can hit us up on social media, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, guys, uh, I'm, I'm eager to see how my travel goes wrong next week. Uh, so so be sure and tune back in to hear what what other things happen to my aircraft. So. Some of us will be here. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of hoping it's like an Airport 77 thing where like they have to, you know, uh, you know, put up a tether line between two aircrafts and you know, send Charlton Heston over. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So. Is it? Is, yeah. is that really what you're hoping for? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I figure I, I can lean up there since the since the door will have blown off the, to the cockpit. I can just lean in there with my iPhone and and you know get some good video there and get me some some additional hits on Instagram. Ah, there you go. You know, check, we're talking. check my reels. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.